Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Euro's All Access podcast is proudly sponsored by Vauxhall. Before we kickstart today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of the Vauxhall ELCV range. If you don't know what I'm referring to, it is the best-selling electric van range from Vauxhall, which is driving innovation in 2024 with its modern facelifted design and improved electric technology. Now, I know the transition to an electric vehicle can sometimes feel daunting, but rest assured that when you choose Vauxhall, you're in the safest of hands. The ELCV range is designed to be as accessible as a diesel van. With an electric range of up to 261 miles and with one year's free public charging included, you will find it cheaper to run too. If you are already thinking of making the leap to an all-electric vehicle, then consider this your official sign. Go online and search Vauxhall Electric Vans today. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Game Day, the record book, the podcast that attempts, however frivolously, to put together an absolute perfect record of everything that's happened this season in the Premier League. It's actually going into, for those of you who haven't heard this programme, it'll go into a kind of Panini sticker realm that I'm doing by hand, so you'll know who has been the best and worst player each week and the best and worst performance. It should, by the end of the season, provide an absolutely definitive record of what's gone on in the Premier League this season, and we're putting up uh, for auction on eBay. And I should imagine the funds that we'll raise from that will allow us to build a hospital in a underprivileged country. So that's really fantastic news, and why you should all keep involved with this podcast, the Game Day, the Record Book podcast, to help me, Danny Kelly, make it over the next forty or so minutes. I'm delighted to say I'm returning up by popular demand. Um, of course, broadcasting legend that is Tom Rennie. Hi, Tom. I like to think returning champion. Okay. That's how I'd like to be billed from now on. Okay. Is that all right? Yes, and you can also wear large epaulets like an, an admiral or what's the bloke who owns West Ham who, who often wears a Russian admiral's overcoat to the match. David Sullivan. David Sullivan, yeah. yeah. He, yeah I can do that. he appears to have the uniform of a Russian submarine captain. Uh, to try and bring some footballing uh, sense and sensibility, authenticity to use a word to all this, um, former Queen's Park Rangers and, and many other clubs as well, Nottingham Forest, legend these days, a coach and a broadcaster as well, Sean Derry. Hi, Sean. Nice to be here, guys. I've brought my straight jacket for the hospital you're on about. How many clubs have I not mentioned when I just oh, said Forest and QPR? There's about nine others, Danny. Yes. Yeah, I was um, a parted ways with many clubs along the way. Wh- uh, which club do you think you did the worst service with? Oh, definitely Millwall, right at the very end. Ah, yeah. The but, old but, legs but, were gone. But when you... Uh, see, because uh, fine football and all the rest of it, but I would say the best part of your game was your ability to get the ball off other people. Um, and <laughs> and also you... to get another contract. He was very good yeah. at that. When you went to Millwall, I thought that is the most perfect thing since Terry Herlock was there. Danny, it was a match made in hell right at the very end, let me tell you. Both my brothers-in-laws are both massive Millwall fans and when your own family boo you, you know it's time to hang up the yeah. hang, hang they, up your boots. And they booed you before the start of the game because you were running <laughs> on, to be fair. Let's start then, as uh, we always do, with the performance of the week. The longer it would have gone on without a win, you know, then you start, you know, uh, dropping a little bit in confidence and, and belief. But you know, there's a lot, an awful lot of optimism. But you know, that's tempered with caution as well. Van Aalholt tries his luck and his shot and it's in. Palace have got the winner, surely. You know, we thought this might be a bridge too far for us, but we we managed to cross it. But I'm saying not giving Man City any thought at all until such time as we have to come and play them. And, and I don't intend to spoil my good feeling about this victory in contemplating the next visit to Manchester and Manchester City. 
Um, you're new to the show, Sean. Who do you want to pick as your as your performance of the week? Definitely Newcastle United. And why would I? That's the question you're asking me. Why would I pick a performance that's a, a team of 10 players sat right on the edge of the 18-yard box? Because you're an old dinosaur. Well, not so much, but I did I, I, I did, and I do still see a lot of um, positives in a, in a defensive unit that stops an attacking team like Tottenham being Tottenham. And that's what I saw this afternoon. They were fantastic. And if that would have been Jose Mourinho with a Newcastle United badge on, would have been lauded him this evening. Let me ask you this. Um, last week I got fantastic abuse. I mean, do- dogs were saying, look at the abuse that lad is getting on Twitter for saying that Spurs were useless at Manchester City, but I thought they were. Um, and I thought they were very poor again today. Not Newcastle, you can give them the credit, and I will one of their players later on in the show, um, for... Um, you know, doing Spurs in, they weren't up against much, were they? What's going on with Spurs? Really disappointing. And we made this point after the game, after the 1-0 um, loss. Where's the plan B for Spurs? Because Newcastle only had to defend a certain type of game this afternoon. Everything was slow, predictable. Everything was just manufactured on the on the edge of the box. And it was it actually worked really well for Newcastle, but they still came away with a massive 1-0 win. Amazing start to the Premier League season, Tom, in that we've only got, is it three teams now are unbeaten after just three games? Um, Manchester City, Liverpool and Leicester. Mm. Um, everybody else already managed to lose a game. And Leicester were my pick pre-season. If anyone was going to break into that top six, it would be them because they have... The utter villain that is Jamie Vardy. Um, wonderful footballers like Madison and Barnes and Tielemans. And do you know what? They should be my hero of the week now. And they should be my performance of the week for their victory uh, against Sheffield United. But I haven't put them in, but I do love them. And I think they might win the league again. I th- I'm, I'm going for it. I'm I, going out there now. I, They'll I, put your fivers on it. They were 5,000 to 1. What were they this season? Probably about 150. Oh, more less. than that. More than that. Do you think more? Yeah. Manchester well, City was so short. I presume everybody else is like, you need you need special binoculars to read along the line of noughts before you get to slash one for most of the odds of other teams. I wonder how many people, and in fact, I know someone that did this, since Leicester won at 5,000 to 1, since then he has put that pound on his team, which is Watford, every single year. And he will do it for the rest of his How's life. And I wonder how many do it. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to go fantastically well. They're going to win the next 35 in a row. Sean, I, I really, I mean, I, I'm, I admire your courage of putting Newcastle's performance of the week, but given what they're up against, I suspect you're going to find it very hard to get across the line. Who's yours, Tom? I have to put Aston Villa as my performance of the week. Now, maybe it's because uh, I'm moving house currently and I don't have any money. And because of that, I've not been out to a pub for about six weeks. Uh, and this Friday night, that the, the, the brewery, brewing industry was really struggling just now. You're yeah. thinking I'm looking thinner. I'm looking. Like I've got more colour in my cheeks. Um, yeah. That's the depression of staying in and watching the Great Your British Bake Off with the wife. Um, but this weekend, this Friday, I met some friends in a pub in Clapham, like the good old days. And I watched that game on a big screen, and there was, uh, you know, the, the, the speakers were up, and it, it felt like I was in Villa Park. And watching that game on TV, when that late goal goes in to give them the, the 2-1 victory, the El Ghazi 95th minute goal, the entire pub erupted. I felt like I was in the whole end and I actually felt very emotional about it. Now, hang on, let me, just, let me understand about this pub. It's in London, I take it. It was in London, yes. And it was full of Aston Villa fans or both teams? Do you know what? There was, there was both teams in there. There was a lot of Villa fans. I'd say it was about 20 Villa fans and about five or six Everton fans, but really just football fans enjoying the game. It was cranked up really loud in there, the atmosphere, commentary and all that. And the, the great narrative of Aston Villa getting up, and I remember when West Ham got promoted a few years ago, and that first win back up, it feels so much more significant. And the fact it was Everton, like this was Everton any other year, and I know this fixture is the most played in English football, people would have gone, oh, who cares, like Villa won. But because of the way it happened and the whole Jack Grealish's first Premier League wins as he was in nappies and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. And there was something about it, something magical about it. And when the record book is written of this weekend, that's the victory that's going to mean the most to any team going, I think. And it was a wonderful performance. I loved it. And it's always that, I mean, you know, without getting too Lager sentimental about well. it. Of course. But also the fact that the manager is a supporter of the club, I always think that helps as well. Um, the little tear in the corner of his eyes. That well, Danny, the... I was there three or four times at Villa Park last, last year. And the difference of a Steve Bruce managing Aston Villa 
and a Smith managing Aston mm. Villa. I mean, it was chalk and cheese, just the belief and this kind of enthusiasm among, amongst the um, locals at Villa Park. I'm with you. I think Oh, you changed your mind no, already? You've come to me. Th- I've already convinced I'm Sean Derry within minutes that I'm right. I'm delighted for Jack Grealish because he single-handedly at times last year got that team promoted into the Premier League. So to take that monkey off his back is brilliant. Still not as good as Newcastle. I can't remember the exact timelines of your career. And of course, it's very complicated by all the contracts you managed to convince people to sign. Were you, in, were you at QPR when Adele Tarab dominated the championship? I was. I was. Um, yeah. I, I think they called me his water boy, a water uh, carrier. Yeah, because absolutely. Grealish reminded me that the, the, the last player who really just T- took the championship apart like that well, was oddly a Delta Rapt, wasn't it? Absolutely. And he does remind you of um, a Delta Rapt. But I had Jack Grealish as a 17 year old at Notts County when mm. I was managing then. And he single handedly at times kept us in League One. So he's now actually producing them performances on a bigger, grander stage. stage and I'm delighted for Jack. Did you know then that I was right about this category, but also that, uh, that he was going to be the star performer, Peaky Blinders extra that he is now? Was his oh. hair like that then? Honestly. As a 17-year-old, I remember playing Port Vale on Boxing Day and I asked the lads, I didn't bring them in on Christmas Day because I wanted them to enjoy their day with the family, mm-hmm. but Jack arrived on Boxing Day in the tightest pair of jeans and the, the smartest leather coat with this hair absolutely flicked back. He looked gorgeous. Jack. Yeah, I love him. I love, oh, I was, love this story already. He, yeah. he, he, he was just a throwback of a, of a guy. And I know he's had his problems since, and I'm but glad, he's a great player. I'm glad you mentioned his haircut because later on in the appendix that we do to oh. this show, a separate small podcast that you'd be a fool and a communist uh, to miss, <laughs> and I am going to be discussing... One of the most remarkable things um, about footballers' haircuts, I'm not sure anyone else has noticed it yet, but I really am going to talk about it a little later on. Now, the the producer, um, obviously, teenage, asymmetric haircut himself, is uh, waving at me to make up my mind about the form speak. I haven't even done mine yet. Yeah, what is yours? Aston Villa. Pick Aston Villa. You're absolutely right. See, I'm going to play on some heartstrings uh, for Sean Derry. I'm going to go for Crystal Palace. Um, Now, look, we'll discuss Manchester United, no doubt, later in the show. But Crystal Palace, another one of those teams, like Newcastle, like Spurs at Manchester City, go there, park the bus, look craven, um, we put our bodies on the line but uh, and get a result. And mostly I think it's luck these days. However, Crystal Palace are the exception. They're designed for this. They play on the break at home, never mind away from home. And last year, if I'm not, if I'm not wrong, they had a better away record than at least one of the teams that finished in the legendary, mythical top six. Did it again at Manchester United. They know how to defend. Roy does know how to defend. That's left over from being a manager in the 1970s. He knows how to defend. Um, and then they've got Wilfred Zaha, who just carries the ball forward in the way that other teams... Sean, I mean, you know, shouldn't they tactically foul him? But he's too big and strong for that, isn't he? Oh, he's an unbelievable player. And I'm so delighted that he stayed there for, well, until January. They, they locked him in a cupboard, <laughs> yeah, let's be fair. Absolutely. <laughs> Didn't let him go anywhere. And he's massive for, for um, Crystal Palace. Can you imagine being a janitor at Sellers Park and you open the door... Wilf, why you change that radiator? <laughs> it's the transfer window. He's in there doing kick-ups with bottles of Domestos, putting them on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah but he can't leave. He's, he can't leave. But how good was Ayu as well? Old I was amazed well. at that because I've never seen anything that lad previously to make me think, oh, someone should buy him. Well, he was the one person who I watched in pre-season. I watched them two or three times in pre-season and he was fantastic for Crystal Palace and I was delighted he got But you're winner. comparing him now to Christian Benteke and you could get ah. a contract now all of a sudden and be the best striker at Crystal Palace, better than Christian Benteke. I mean, the, but the, by the, the way, the they is... are considering offering him a new deal right now and Hodgson was asked pre-weekend, um, are, you, are you talking to Christian Benteke? And he said, yeah. You were being slightly amusing there, saying that Sean could get into their team ahead of Christian Benteke. I've got news. I could get into their team ahead of Christian Benteke. <laughs> you could probably win a header. Yes. I, I still think we haven't seen Christian Benteke. I really don't believe that. Well, honestly. who's that bloke in the shirt there? Listen, pulling down all that money. Honestly, he's, I still believe he's going to score goals for Crystal Palace this year. Sorry, can I just jump in here, right? You <laughs> that have is gone. Incredible. That, that's a mad thing to say. Yeah. You, you've mad, already discounted yourself. Words. You've already agreed with me as best performance of the weekend, and now you've said Benteke is good. I'm worried about your sanity. Both of you, for performance of the week, have gone with Sam Allardyce, David Moyes, Tony Pulis-esque, hold on for dear life and try and get a point anti-football nonsense. Triceratops. And I have gone with a magical, historic performance by Aston Villa. Their first home win of this season, first Premier League win for years. Jack Grealish's first win in the Premier League for 700 years. A great performance from Villa Park. The strange coloured cornrows, it's all there. Uh, Wesley up front was fantastic as well, announced himself to the Premier League. I've gone for positive, you've gone for negative. Do the right thing, Danny. 
I, I, I thought Aston Villa were great, and I am happy to announce <laughs> Aston Villa is the performance of the week. You are absolutely right, One-nil, Tom. One-nil, Tom. You can have that. <laughs>
Well, I'm, Paul Pogba? I'm, nope. He's a good pass for the ball big, when he can be bothered. Big Hollywood wide pass. I think you could play that. I love a Hollywood wide pass, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming back to the game, Danny, as soon as Mata came on the pitch, now no. there's a player Different who can thing. open. Different thing. He can pass a ball. He can open a can. And that's why he's played for Manchester United. And every time I've seen a good quality Manchester United performance, Mata's been on the pitch. Why did he not start against... Because he can't run. Because he can't run. He can only run for about six minutes and he's knackered. No, I don't agree with you. I agree well, that when you get players around him with legs, and that's what you do when you... So you've got to bring other people in to do his running. Juan Mata is a good footballer. He's not Lionel Messi. No, he's not Lionel Messi. He's not Messi, worth the other players working for him. Tom, that have been a positive performance with a creativity in the final third has been when Mata's been on the pitch. What do we make about the committee to decide who's going to miss the penalties? Well, again, what a farce. <laughs> a how funny how funny when he hit that post i mean i i want to feel some empathy i really do but i just couldn't we were in the studio watching it there's about seven eight nine people watching it and every single person when that ball hit the post burst out laughing because you knew that was going to happen have you ever been in a team or managed a team that didn't know he's going to take the penalties on the minute on the pitch well i've been in i've been on as a manager and as a player you know it's on the wall you go out, you know, you're picking up from a wall. Not Derry. Yeah. Who the penalty is? <laughs> Number 11, Derry. Now, you know Actually, that... Actually, there's two subs ahead of you as, as well. <laughs> as, by the way, I missed a, a clinical playoff penalty for Crystal Palace against um, Sunderland when I think it was 2006, whatever yeah. it was, missed it. And I was saying, I'm going to go bottom right, bottom right, bottom right. Absolutely stacked it last minute, put it in the top left. Goalkeeper Mark Poom saved it. it was so mm. Poom's a big lad. There's a lot was, of him there, oh, wasn't there? Honestly, very generous, yeah. Danny. And very I, generous. I'll be the man who gets us to the Premier League. Sadly, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you're but not supposed to change your mind. But to them too. Why do you have two penalty kicks? No. You don't. It's it to me, causes confusion. Well, they don't now. It's Rashford, and he can't take one. So who's next week? No, I mean, and it, it strikes me that's the first. Uh, if you're looking for signs that the manager or the Solskjaer is out of his depth at that club, he cannot speak to two superstar players and say, you son, penalties, you, not so much. It's nuts. It's not right. For me, the worst performance of the week uh, was Watford, and not just because it was their third straight defeat and left them bottom of the table. I'm a real, real believer in, in that what happens in one season uh, leads into the next season because you can, you can spend all the money you like in the transfer window. Basically, teams and players, groups of players, they don't really change that much from one year to another. Have Manchester City got worse? No, they haven't. Watford, if you remember, partially because they got to the FA Cup final, they they decided to declare, didn't they? They'd had enough for that season, and they lost at least four games coming into the Cup final. And then, critically, and this is what happens, isn't it? They then got absolutely murdered in their sleep yeah. in the Cup final itself, and I'm not sure they've recovered from that. Do you think that's the catalyst then, Danny? for what's this opening four games have been. I think this is demoralizing an ab absolute hangover from last season. Um, they haven't really re-upped the team very, very much, have Not they? Not at all. Um, uh, Dawson, maybe? Craig Dawson uh, yeah. at centre-half is not an improvement to anybody. There's a reason they left him in the championship for another year. He can't run. And that's going to be the slowest. When West Ham brought on Antonio, no, can, but he will get eight line. goals from set pieces. He's well, an absolute true. genius at set pieces. Can headers, I tell you my he? theory on Watford? Yeah, Watford are a club that exists in a state of flux. They must always be in a state of flux. It must be continual chaos. And this summer, they had serenity. Same manager, they've kept the same the manager. Season. They've barely changed a player. Looking at their team from the weekend just gone, it was only Dawson that wasn't there last year. Everyone's the same, and because of that. They have got comfortable. No one is on their toes there. And because of that, West Ham turned up a team on their toes. For whatever reason, I don't know why they were and Watford weren't. And they could have won that as that game went on 6-7-8. They were thrashing them by the end. Now, this is the difficult moment. I've been working up to this uh, for, well, it's about 48 hours prior to this, uh, this podcast being put together. Tom Rennie is, of course, a fan of West Ham United London, brackets. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put it to you, uh, Tom Rennie, mm. that this is the best West Ham starting eleven um, since, well, since before you were born. Yeah, I can remember really good West Ham teams, but we're talking about black and white here. This is the best starting eleven they've had. It's not. I, I, I was shocked. I was absolutely. 
I don't know much about the goalkeeper, so I looked at the rest of them. There's not a bad player in West Ham starting eleven. This I'm was not the, used to that. This was the strongest eleven West Ham had played for a long, long time, uh, and it's also got fit players in for the first time in a long, long time. And you'll note that Manuel Lanzini uh, started. He started a couple of games in a row now. Yarmolenko started. Uh, yeah, less said about him, the better. Maybe Antonio came on and made a big difference. But it's Manuel Lanzini. This is the guy. He was linked with Tottenham a couple of years ago, uh, and I think he could make that move to a top six club. He's that good. He could make West Ham a top six club. He's that good. The trouble is, he is always injured. That's been West Ham's issue for a long, long time. You watch him against Brighton last week and Watford this week. He's a man that can pick it up from deep, drive past three or four players and pick out a pass. That is what makes you go from middle of the road to top of the table. That's what Ericsson does for Tottenham. That's what Lanzini is doing for West Ham. And now he's passing into uh, Allaire and not Zaza. We could be in business. I've got a cat called Zaza. I hope you kick him. Um, she, he's earned it. She's a she, but... Uh, not named after Simone. No, named after the uh, the cat from Hector's house, the 1970s children's <laughs> programme. I wouldn't get that one. Because they've also got a cat called Hector, but that but she's a she. It's a long story. Um, I can't... I, I, I'm going to stand. I can't see past Watford as the worst performance. But uh, you're sti- are you sticking with Arsenal? I am sticking. No, I'm sticking uh, with Manchester United. United. I think Manchester United were a David de Gea good performance. If he could have saved that simple shot at him, and you'd have said one-one, weren't great, but they had a lot of the ball, created plenty of chances. Palace were a bit of a joke, and they're just a smash and grab club. One touch in the United penalty area in the entire first half was the goal. So I think I think there's a. I think, and we can make Sean waver. We can already convince him. But I can see, see he's coming to me already. Arsenal no, I'm not too predictable. Watford missed an open goal. Yeah. And if that had gone in, it might have been a different game. They collapsed the last half an hour. Arsenal turned up wrong and got progressively worse from there. They were a shambles. And but going into it, they were uh, title contenders and now they're back to the joke we all know and love. But reception with the cubic zirconium fake diamond that they played... Um, it was all too predictable. I can't have that as worst performance because you could almost have predicted what would happen to them at Anfield. It was better than their previous 5-1 and 4-0 defeats. That's actually, that's actually progress for Arsenal. Um, is it progress to one week think yourself as champions, have a £176 million front three and then go, you know what? Probably drop the Sean, best of that three. You pick and change you formation. Pick. My picks Manchester United all uh, day long because that was a guaranteed home win. Sorry, Watford, you failed guaranteed. to win worst performance of the week. The record book. Through the centre onto Abraham. Good take by him. He's got support to his left. But Abraham goes for goal himself and scores. What a brilliant finish from Tammy Abraham. Always nice to have that support behind you, especially you know how he supports the young lads. It gives us confidence. You know, me and Mason Martin scoring today. You know, just goes to show that um, when a coach believes in you, you just want to do your best and give their 100%. Here we go. The whistle is blown. Mark Noble steps up, shoots and scores. Noble has put West Ham ahead. He sent Ben Foster the wrong way. Um, and now we come to a part where it's much nicer. Um, we'll be pick our hero of the week. Um, and if I tell you that among the people who, who haven't made the list are Mo Salah, Steve Bruce, uh, Timu Puki, you'll know it's a very, very high-quality group indeed. Um, I'm going to start because it's my turn. Um, and my hero of the week is Away Wins. Um, and I'm deadly serious about this. As you'll have noticed, uh, over the weekend only... Um, Liverpool, um, who won, and Wolves, who drew with a last-minute VAR-assisted penalty of the home teams, won. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. 
The Euros All Access podcast is proudly sponsored by Vauxhall. I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of the new Vauxhall Combo Electric. The Combo Electric is Vauxhall's new compact van that is made right here in Britain at their Ellesmere Port plant. Not only does the new van look fantastic and with a striking redesign, but by manufacturing the Combo Electric locally, Vauxhall is helping to support the British workforce. Local manufacturing also reduces the cost of going electric, making the transition accessible for more businesses. With an electric range of up to 205 miles on a single charge and one year's free public charging included, the new Combo Electric is ready to take on whatever you throw at it. Head online today and see for yourself. Search Vauxhall Electric Vans and prepare to lead the charge. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, I just wanted to remind you that the Vauxhall ELCV range is the best-selling electric van range from Vauxhall, which is driving innovation in 2024 with its modern facelifted design and improved electric technology. Now, I know that the transition to an electric vehicle can sometimes feel daunting, but rest assured that when you choose Vauxhall, you're in the safest of hands. The ELCV range is designed to be as accessible as a diesel van with an electric range of 261 miles and with one year's free public charging included, you will find it cheaper to run too. If you're already thinking of making the leap to an electric vehicle, then consider this your official sign. Go online and search Vauxhall Electric Vans today. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. Incredible weekend for the Premier League where seven teams uh, won away from home. Aston Villa, of course, won on Friday. Yes. But over the over the weekend games, um, seven victories for the away team. Now, there was a time, and it's not so long ago, and Sean Derry will tell you, professional footballer, you earned your 19 different contracts, different clubs, <laughs> by getting a point away from home and winning at home. That was what you aimed for. Well, it was, yeah. But you're right. There seems to be a massive break of trend. And there is. And there's reasons for this. First of all, the things that used to make home ground so formidable formidable are, are gradually drifting away the stadiums used to all be very different one minute you're playing in a ground that was built in a hundred years ago and is falling apart next week you'll be playing at manchester united which looked like a space station in the 80s and 90s they're all the same now essentially they're either bigger or smaller beautifully constructed boxes the other critical thing is the pitches are all the same. Mm. They didn't used to be. They used to be different sizes. Absolutely. They used to be different kind of quality. Now they're all exactly the same size billiard tables. Third thing, of course, is that the only thing that still was in the favour of home teams until this season was, of course, I once asked Stuart Robson, a fantastic analyst of football, what is the magic of the home, the home team? He said, Danny, it's obvious. The home team gets all the all the referees' decisions. Mm. The crowd just the crowd just gets onto the referee. VAR is even starting to unravel that now, and add to that that so many teams now have decided to play on the break, uh, particularly because they're going to get mullered otherwise by the teams in the top. Oh, I was going to say the top six, but actually, if you look at this weekend's fix, it's only the top two. That away wins are now becoming more and more easy to get, and I think that they are my absolute heroes because. Um, while, while it's all it's all very well um, winning at home for the fans who travel, nothing is more mm. delicious, more tasty than an away win. And if you think about teams like Newcastle, what is more delicious, the most delicious of all, with a cherry on the top, then a tiny bit of chocolate on top of the cherry, is to win away from home when you've done virtually nothing with the ball and you've had twenty percent possession. That is delicious, and so away wins are my hero of the week. Tom, stop screwing up your face I like that. I just don't know if this can go in. I really don't know. Why? I'm sorry. I, I'm thinking about all the wins this weekend. And I think West Ham's away win, played some really good football. Chelsea's away win, played some really good, good football. Game. Uh, great games as well. But then I'm looking at the others and I'm thinking, do Newcastle deserve anything? They got the three points, but I mean, do they deserve praise for this anti-football performance? defensive by Steve Bruce. That's why they deserve the three points. Was it defensive masterstroke or was it the fact that Tottenham was so inept going forward? Bit of both. And Christian Eriksen was so unhappy <laughs> and so unhappy of, still to be there. Of a game last season um, at White Hart Lane. Uh, sorry, at Wembley, in fact. 
um, against Burnley. How many grounds you had? Uh, Spurs got the late winner. I think it, was, it might have been Ericsson after it's 89 Bryson, minutes. Um, I think it's Burnley. And uh, the, 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 you know, the same, exactly the same performance as Newcastle put on today, but, they, but the goal went the other way. And it, poor old Sean Dyche was being dragged up by local authorities, the press say, what the hell was that then? Why, you know, so it, it is all about getting a goal, I suppose. Absolutely, of course. And listen... Steve Bruce won't be able to do that again next week and the week after he that. He will, though. But he, he, he may have to do it against He'll the try. top six. He'll try and he won't get the he results did it away like at he Norwich. Did <laughs> he did it away at Norwich and didn't get away with it. He's going to do this every single week. Away wins like that, it's enjoyable for a day, but then after a while you're like, what are we paying well, for Well, I hope here? he doesn't because I like the look of Joel Linton as centre-forward. He really impressed me when he played against um, Spurs at the weekend. So I'm really hopeful that he doesn't Part the books I have no such. no hope of getting away wins into this week's um, Heroes of the Week, but I'll be coming back to this theme as the season unfolds. And I know that um, Tom has got uh, a hero that he wants to really, really bang on about. I do. Um, so, Sean, uh, more of a lover, I think, this guy yeah. is, rather than a hero. I'm happy with that. Why don't you tell us about your Hero of the Week, Sean? Unbelievable. Well, mine, there's three names I want to mention. One is who we've already spoken about in Jack Grealish. Delighted that he's got this mm. monkey off his back and he's single-handedly at times led his team to the Premier League. Secondly is Mason Mount. Loved and enjoyed watching him last year for Derby. A hugely talented young player. But the one person who sets the standard for me this weekend is Tammy Abraham. I was so, so impressed with his performance at Norwich away. Was given the number nine, you know, lead our line from Frank Lampard, and he'd done that. His goal, his first goal, was from the top draw. It really was. In terms of a centre-forward's top draw goals, and he grew in confidence. And it was as if, what's all this mess that's been aimed at me over the past two or three weeks? You know, all this social media rubbish that he's had to deal with. He's just gone there, sorted himself out in terms of getting his head right for his team, and he led his team to victory. Since and I'm you, delighted since, for him. Since you brought up the rubbish on, on Twitter... Um, I know absolute that, rubbish. Of Danny. course, the, the racial abuse of black players who happen to have a bad game or miss a penalty. Um, Simon Jordan said it here, and I noticed that Phil Neville repeated it on Sky Television. Um, where do we? What do you stand about the, the football clubs? Um, look, they're they're held to a very high standard these days. I can't understand. I, I don't. I don't understand how if two people or whatever number it is um, racially abuse somebody in a ground, how the club has to be responsible for that. It's their. Mm. It's them who are responsible, and they can be tracked down and the full weight of the law brought to them. But I do think that uh, Neville's idea, which Simon claims uh, he stole from him, that the football club should withdraw from social media platforms for six months um, until they can, until something is done about the ridiculous situation that people can use, hide behind ridiculous fake accounts and anonymity to spew this bile. I think it's got some 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 energy behind it. Myself, you haven't got time to do your hero. Of the <laughs> no, week. no, no. We must no, no, have we time. Haven't. For it. We no, we literally haven't got time. We must have time. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I've got to. I've got to do this. Thirty seconds. Really briefly. Okay. There's no time for this, but I'm doing it. Seventeen years old. Mark Noble made his debut for West Ham. Tuesday the 24th of August 2004. The bowling ground against Southend in what was then the League Cup. I remember this. I remember this vividly because it was the day West Ham sold Michael Carrick to Tottenham. The very same day. So we just lost someone after a year in the Championship Carrick did mm -hmm. for us as well. Uh, and he didn't need to. Clubs wanted him, but he decided to stay before going to Spurs, then Man U Lovely becoming footballer. a legendary. Fantastic footballer. Uh, and Mark Noble came on for Luke Chadwick that day uh, mm -hmm. at the bowling ground, made his debut. And since then, he has been West Ham's, I would say, linchpin in midfield for five and a half thousand days. And this weekend, with his first touch after coming back from injury, first touch this season, rolled the ball in the back of the net to become the fourth highest, uh, most successful penalty taker in Premier League history. I think it's only Shearer, Gerrard and Lampard who have That's better correct. records from 12 yards than Mark Noble. I think Mark Noble has changed as a footballer over that time. People think of him as a kind of Luddite, thump into challenges kind of player. But what he is now is actually a more advanced player. He's a delicate footballer. You watch the game the weekend. The ball he plays through to Mikel Antonio, uh, and Antonio should have scored from this, where it splits two defenders with one beautiful pass. You watch his performance, as I'm sure you did, behind the sofa at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, at the back end of last season, where he ran the midfield against the likes of Christian Eriksen. He made Eriksen look like a schoolboy thanks to his Cockney Iniesta magic. Have you seen this any of this, This guy is a Sean? hero. This guy should have had England caps. This guy 
is the embodiment of a football club. And why this do weekend, you think, why he do you scores. think after 450 appearances for West Ham, that it, the, it, that's the most any man has ever had in the Premier League without getting an England cap? Why hasn't he got an England cap? I think the issue was at the time when he was at his absolute peak at 25, 26, the England midfield with Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard, and Michael Carrick. And and, 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 and these very, guys are were one of the, some of the greats of the game. Mark Noble now at that would be in the England squad. If he was 28, 27. At 32, he's not going to be able to play that much football. But this guy has grown into his role at the club. Uh, Everyone loves him. And this weekend, on the exact 15th anniversary of his debut, scored the opening goal in a win away at Watford. Listen, I like Mark Noble, and um, I I don't see any of this particular brilliance you've seen him, but I don't support West Ham. I see his loyalty, and I see him being a decent midfield player, but he has one other magical quality. He loves going fishing. Oh, no, no, no. I love the fact that whenever West Ham are in trouble and the crowd has turned against the, the club... When the West Ham fans decide the best thing to do is invade the pitch, they always run straight to Mark, like he is the shop steward. Have you not noticed this? Whenever there's a, when the first moved into the London Stadium, there was a lot of this stuff going on. They didn't go to any other player. It was like, no, Mark will understand. And he's just standing in front of poor Mark Noble to listen to these people, presumably on the outside of several cold ones, screaming, spittle flying out their mouth, screaming at him about the state of West Ham. And it worked, to be fair. That corner flag got put into the ground. And the new carpet And then came. they bought Felipe Anderson and Sebastian Allaire. So if you're upset with your football club, get the corner flag, get it planted, tell them what's what. Well, it was a lovely exposition of one person's love affair with uh, a midfield it's player. It's so weird because he's my age and yet I love him so much. It's, no, uh, we're no, actually no. the same age. He's oh, like my hero. Oh, no, it's no. So bad. I, like, I love it when people... Your are... hero should be 40 years older than you, or, you know. Look, and then be, be, be truthful about it. I thought I'd grown out of falling in love with footballers and then along came Harry Kane, and I'm absolutely, literally in love with him. There's mm. nothing else to be said about it. And you're in love with him, and that's nice. Have you ever been in love with a footballer? This, I have. this could be good. <laughs> Changing room secrets <laughs> with Sean Derry. One for the, the one person who I just absolutely adored, and Leeds fans will hate me for saying this, I absolutely adored Eric Cantona. And when he retired, age 30, which was a ridiculous age to retire, I was on holiday in Magaluf. And again, I was 18 go. years old. Tell us more about that. And I cried on my sunbed as my hero retired and just left English football for good. And she gave you a fake number. <laughs> Salty tears <laughs> dropping into his pina colada. It's Leeds a terrible, fans terrible ever speak image, to me it? again, Tom. But you were actually in love with him. That's, what, that's, the, that's the measure Eric here, Cantona. yes. I did. I even had to try and play with my collars up, even though I didn't have one at Sheffield United when I played. <laughs> just pulled your shirt over your head. <laughs> I the kit man to make collars for me. <laughs> Who should we go for here? Mark Come Noble, on. away wins, or Tammy Abraham? Oh! I just know how much he loves Mark Noble. I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give you Mark Noble if this is what you really want. I feel to as know. if you're being really nice to me today. I don't know yeah, why. I don't well, know why either. He's because so I know nice I think to me. I'm, well, I say I think I know I'm going to win the next one. That's why. I would well, love to get a tattoo of Mark Noble. Don't um, talk about I look tattoos. at your lovely tattoos. I know you've spoken about this before, you two, and uh, I've been very intrigued looking at your arms today. But he's the, he's probably the only player I think I'd get a tattoo of. But I worry about when I inevitably meet him here at TalkSport at some yeah. point in the coming years and I show him my, my tattoo of him. That's my only thing it's stopping me. It's very Alan Partridge, isn't it? With the fellow <laughs> yeah. with the big tattoo. Oh, that was chest. so good, wasn't it? I'm happy to let Mark Noble win it. He's the hero of the week. The Record Book. United give the ball away. Now here is Vardy, played in by Madison. Jamie Vardy! Back on his old stomping ground, the Sheffield-born striker gives Leicester City the lead and ends his goal drought. Thumping left-footed finish. Penalty? No. Penalty? Please. <laughs> it was games like the other day and this is no penalty, don't worry. I'm a big believer in VAR, so there's no problem with that. Um, I wonder, I don't know the ruling on how many will turn over a referee's decision. I think it's a tough one. Um, I've seen it back from a couple of different angles, I think. You know, it's just going to play the ball, just going to clear it. Their lads actually lunge back in front of him to almost make him, you know, bring him down. And I think that's tough to decide. Yes, we're heading with it with almost Usain Bolt-like pace towards the closing stages of the Game Day podcast, the Record Book podcast, given it its proper name, with Tom Rennie, Sean Derry, and me, Danny Kelly. Um, let's get stuck into my wins this week. It might be my favourite part of the show because some very, very good um, candidates for Villain of the Week. Now, 
in order to make this not like all the other numpty podcasts you, you've been downloading and listening to, um, obviously, I've, I've put my foot down here. It can't be David Louise because that's too blinking obvious. Um, I love David Louise, but for all kinds of reasons other than he's a great footballer. But he doesn't play for Tottenham. Well, there's all that. There is definitely that. I love the way the Arsenal fans, uh, having put up with Chelsea fans now, say, already calling him Agent Louise in the race for the top four. <laughs> so no David Louise. Um, Sean, why don't you start um, with your villain of the week? Well, this is one that really hurts me because this is something that disgusts me in football, is the tackle that Florin Andoni produced for Brighton. I thought it was a disgraceful tackle on every level. One, Tell us as a footballer what was so bad about it. Well, I can handle being elbowed. As a player, I used to be a physical type of player. I used to confront people and get really close to people. And yeah, now and again, I would probably go up and produce an element of hype by introducing my elbows now and again. Mm -hmm. But I never, ever, ever intentionally went to really hurt somebody in the tackle. And that's what I witnessed for the um, f- f- for the tackle on Saturday. I thought it was an absolute scandalous tackle Can I ask him what, did you on have Valerie. Any, I mean, it, it was over the top and it was... It was everything And onto his standing Danny. leg, all the things that absolutely guaranteed that the fellow who was very lucky not to be hurt. Why did he do it, though? It was... A, I, I'd like to say it was a rush of blood to his head, but it must be more than that. He must have gone with the intentions to really hurt Jan Valerie. I'd rather be spat at. Ten times on a football field. Of course, that's not going to end your career, is it? Absolutely not. You know, this is something that the authorities really got to look at deeply. And when I mention a 10, 12, 15, 20 match ban, this is what should happen to Andoni. Spitting, you get six games. Nearly breaking someone's leg is going to be three. Well, they're missing nine months of the season. A year of his career. Young lad as well, Jan Valerie. never ever return to that level again. I mean, Could have it, finished his career. He was charging around like a moron as well. You watch the first 20 minutes of that game before he gets sent off. He is chasing around everyone. He's getting, he's getting, he's trying to impress everybody. He's elbowing him, he's pushing him. He hasn't had many, uh, to use the current parlance, he hasn't had many minutes, has he? He doesn't deserve it. He's useless. <laughs> well, for me, it's just, it, it sickened me. And I don't, you know, I think I've seen everything in football over the course of 25 years, like we all have in this room. But that is something that never, ever fails to shock you than types of challenges. It's the one it's the one where the standing leg is stuck and the impact is either going to break the shin bone yeah. or turn the top of the body over the knee. It's the cruciates, yeah, it's exactly, the cartilages, yes. it's everything that goes. And, it's yeah. the, and I've seen players, and thankfully, you know, I, 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 I had a cruciate ligament injury when I was 16 and thankfully got through it. But the turmoil that you go through in that gym for nine months, it, I don't wish it on any man. Okay, you've got a you've got a rather different. It's not even a person. Your uh, your villain of the week, Tom. No, it's something that I've been discussing for a few weeks with the introduction of VAR in this country, and it's the very high bar. Neil Swarbrick's very high bar. The high bar is what the referees, the PGMOL, said they were going to assess all VAR incidents uh, against. And essentially, you've got the clear and obvious, and if the clear and obvious error then meets the high bar, then they will interject. Now, the issue with that is you've got people at Stockley Park watching these games, and they're deciding, where is this high bar? Who sets the high bar? Whose high bar is this? I'd imagine Sean Derry in Magaluf when he was 18, his high bar would be very different to what his high bar is now. He was actually sat at a high bar, as I understand. He was a bar back in Magaluf, (laughs) let me tell you that. And so, look, you got two incidents on Sunday. Uh, You had the foul, I think it was a foul, by Lascelles on Harry Kane. We could debate whether it was or it wasn't. And also there was the Jefferson Lerma on Silver in the Bournemouth Man City game. Both of these, for me, should have been penalties. Now, at the same time, I'm watching a game from the Bundesliga where they've had VAR for a couple of seasons. Hertha Berlin got a penalty in their game in 20 seconds given by the referee. Uh, He gets the call from the people in Frankfurt and they say, that's a penalty there, you should give that. He gives it, but then in Germany they have this. You can walk over and the referee goes and watches it on a screen. It's their decision as to whether it's a penalty or not. We don't have that. Why? We don't have it because, oh, it takes too long. It takes five minutes to get to a decision. I'm busy. I've got to get home. The wife needs me. My dinner's on. To be fair, if you compare public transport in Germany to public transport in this country, you can see why people want to to make them know what time they're leaving. If you've got to get the district line in London, I fully understand why you've got to leave. However... 
Mike Dean, if he'd have seen that incident again today on a video, he would have given that penalty. I have no doubt Mike Dean would have given him it. Because it was someone in Stockley Is that because Park, he loves giving penalties? Well, because Mike anyway. Dean is desperate to give 10 million penalties during his life. I think that's what it is. This is the Harry Kane one you're talking about. This was the Harry Kane one. Well, I so, think if he saw it again, he'd have given it. See, I think they got that about right. I, I It was very, very... Heart, I'm, not, I'm a Spurs fan. It was halfway, maybe a penalty. I think his elbow caught Kane's knee. But do you think if Mike Dean, the penalty giver extraordinaire, saw that again on a video, that he would have given it? Um, I don't know is the answer, but what I do know is that they went with umpire's call there. There Essentially, yeah. it was umpire's call. And I'm, I think that's fair enough. And Because... Uh, I didn't think it was enough for a penalty. I would like to have been a penalty. But if that's a penalty... But that's then... your high bar. That's your high bar for a penalty. But it should be the referee on the field setting a high bar, not someone else. And also, we have different assessments of what it is. They basically have taken the concept of clear and obvious and added another wishy-washy concept on top of it. And then we didn't get two penalties today that I think we would have got if this was German. OK. Um, my villain of the week is not really a villain at all. He's one of my favourite footballers. Um, Jamie Vardy, um, I just uh, when I think about the Leicester managers last season leaving him out of the team, oh, I, mean, I, I mean, what do you when you go and get these coaching badges? Um, where where is don't the, tell you to leave, leave, it, I tell you what you've got to do. <laughs> once you've paid all this money for your coaching yeah, badges, you've spent all these many weeks on them, and you you know you've you've done all this amount of book work. Leave your best player out. Well, <laughs> it, it, just, it must be a special chapter that I've never seen in football. Um, you've got a guy, he's only really got one talent, running past the opposition and belting a ball in the net. Um, just don't leave him out. Vardy is uh, hes a force of nature. I love the fact that when he got put through for the goal at, uh, at the weekend, the moment it was played, you, and once he was onside, you, just you thought, this, the, the goalkeeper should, should he really, the goalkeeper should, should just stand there. Wait, he's making his kit dirty going down for that. He's always going to score, and he did. However, um, the, the, the other side of Jamie Vardy then comes out, doesn't it? He's a, he's a Sheffield lad. He's a Sheffield Wednesday supporter, and he's at Sheffield United's ground. To then stand in front of the Sheffield United fans and cup his ears is to say, uh, you've given me plenty of grief. Now you see what's happened. The ball's in the net. I love Jamie Vardy, the footballer, but something about him means I don't think I'd like to go to a party at his house. Now, given that I've come out of the music business and I know a party when I see one, I just think it might be one of the loudest, strangest places on earth. Particularly as, you know, he is one of those guys who, uh, how can I put it, you know, when he's standing in front of the Sheffield fans there, he honestly thinks he could fight 12,000 of them, doesn't he? Well, he's brave. I've got to give him yeah. that. You know, these Blades fans, they don't mess about when they see somebody antagonising, you know, that cop behind. It's a serious manoeuvre that he made at the weekend. I just think he is one of the most lovable villains yeah. in all of football history. And I was trying to compare him to a movie character. And I was thinking maybe like the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, where, you know, you know he's an evil character who yeah. kidnaps kids, but also his appearance electrifies the screen. I'm thinking like Heath Ledger's Joker in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Like, you the kind of character you know he's awful and he's about to push that pencil into someone's eye but he does it with such panache and style and brilliance that you just have to keep watching him and that's who Jamie Vardy is for me I love him I love him do you know why I love him because in this modern era of these players that are just so robotic he's completely the opposite you know you know that Jamie Vardy could have played in the late 60s, early 70s yeah. and still antagonise players the way that he does now. And fans. That's why I love him. Shall we make him the villain of the week? Gotta be. Gotta Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Oh, he's come up on the rail there. I had no hope for that. That's fantastic. What a great crew you've been. And I'm afraid, and it is a sorrowful moment for you all, that is the end of another fantastic Game Day to Record Book podcast. My thanks to Sean Derry and Tom Rennie for joining me, Danny Kelly for the last 40 minutes or so. But most of all, and sincerely, uh, thanks to you for listening if you've enjoyed it spread the word on the tinternet and all the rest of it let's make sure that as many people as possible hear game day the record book podcast thanks again 